0: Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Okay? This has been a fantastic time together. I'm so thankful that marriage conferences are happening, even in the midst of all that's going on. Isn't this a blessing? It's good to be here this morning, huh? Um, Yeah, I I stepped into Harvest at 17 years old, uh, no joke, and uh, I heard Pastor Greg preach and was just gravitated towards the Word of God and uh, came up through the high school and college ministry, became a pastor here, and uh, man, this is family for me, this is home, so I love being here, and uh, you know, it's not easy being a pastor during this time, and so I, I just am so thankful that pastors are... Still stepping up to the plate, making it happen. So very thankful for Pastor Greg. Let's give a hand hug for our pastor. Amen. Many of the pastors here have uh, really poured into my life. Uh, Mike Jonker here, of course, Ron Case here, and um, Jonathan and Brittany are just a blessing to us as well. And uh, so this is home, really. It's just a blessing to be here, and I'm thankful that I get to share with you guys this morning. Um, What do you say we dive into God's word, huh? We uh, I'm here with my wife Katie in the back. I got to acknowledge her. She's hanging out. We got we brought our two little babes with us today, too. And so we are actually enjoying the marriage conference with you. And I got to attend last night with my wife and uh, soak in some of the goods. And uh, I get to hang out for the rest of the day as well today. Um, we've been married just over or it'll be 10 years this year and we got Uh, Two little miracle babies, uh, Eden and Shepard. And uh, we were told we couldn't have children, and now we have two. So we're so very thankful to the Lord for what he's done. Amen. (laughs) title of the talk today is Gold for Marriage. Gold for Marriage. Marriage, you know, it really is like a classic car. It gets more valuable with age, but it needs a lot of tune-ups along the way. And today is one of those tune-ups. And I'm so happy that you're here. I'm so happy that you're taking the time, Pull into the garage, get a little tune-up. Heard of a story, maybe you heard it too. 80-year-old woman was arrested for shoplifting. She went before the judge and he asked her, what did you steal? She replied, a can of peaches. The judge then asked her, why did you steal the can of peaches? And she said, because I was hungry. The judge then asked her, how many peaches were in the can? She replied, six. The judge then said, then I will give you six days in jail. But before the judge could actually pronounce the punishment, the woman's husband spoke up and asked the judge if he could say something quickly. The judge said, sure, what is it? The husband said, she also stole a can of peas. You see, in the first year of marriage, the man speaks and the woman listens. In the second year of marriage, the woman speaks and the man listens. In the third year of marriage, they both speak and the neighbors listen. (laughs) Gold for marriage today. I'd like you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 19. We're going to do a little Bible surfing today. I thought we'd have a little fun up front. Psalm chapter 19, we're going to turn back and forth between a couple passages, so please have your Bibles ready. Psalm chapter 19, one of the most beautiful sounds for a pastor, pages of Scripture turning. It's a joy to hear that you've brought your Bibles, maybe your phone, able to turn with me there. Psalm chapter 19, look at verse 7. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honey of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. The psalmist is laying out the treasures of the word of God, what it does to us. It makes people like me the simple somehow wise in certain moments. It cleanses us. It gives us right perspective. Harvest, if God has made marriage, if God has made family, if God has made society, if God has made this world for us to dwell in and enjoy with him forever, then surely he has given us instruction on what it looks like and how it works. And I'm telling you that the word of God is what you need For your marriage. It is to be. What is to be? This word of God is to be more desired than gold. And in keeping of them, the psalmist tells us there is great reward. And that is why I want to slide a couple bags of gold to you today. Four bags of gold, to be specific. Bags of gold from the word of God. To have a godly marriage and children who love the Lord is rare in this day and age. Few get to stand at the top of a mountain of 30, 40, 50 years of marriage and look back and see the blessing of God. But not you guys. We are the generation that will stay married. It will not be just a few of us. It will be many. We are the generation who will raise godly families despite what the world around us is doing. We will stay married. We will walk with the Lord. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. It's good to get married, despite what the world tells us. 3 John 1.4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. To see our children and grandchildren know the Lord is the greatest blessing. If you're taking notes today, I want to give you four bags of gold that you can write down. This is what I'll be covering today. The first bag of gold will be the gospel in your marriage. The second will be love and respect in your marriage. The third bag of gold is godly communication. And the fourth bag of gold is godly expectations. One more time, of course, I'm going to share it with you later on, but the gospel in your marriage, number one. Love and respect in your marriage, number two. Godly communication, number three. And number four, godly expectations. The first bag of gold, the gospel in your marriage. Would you turn to Matthew 18 with me? Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, we're going to look at the parable that Jesus gives. The gospel in our marriage, the first bag of gold. This seems very simple, and it is simple, but it is, I think, the most difficult thing to apply in your marriage. The gospel in my marriage, I thought the gospel was for saving us. It is. It saves us. It reconciles us to Almighty God, forgiven of sin and brought close to our maker. But it also keeps us all the days of our life. To be reminded of his goodness and grace, his forgiveness, every single day is actually the motivation. And I really want to highlight that and point it out. All of the principles that we are learning over this conference, where do we get the motivation to institute these principles? It is when we look to God. So we look to him and see his love and what he has done for us that we are then motivated to actually do this in our marriage for our spouse. Matthew chapter 18 in our Bibles, are you there? Let's read through the parable there starting in verse 21. Jesus, talking to Peter, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Peter thought he had Jesus. Jesus said, no, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. This is millions of dollars. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And he, out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of the debt. But when the servant, the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, about a thousand bucks. He seized him and he began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw that he had taken, this had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had been taken, all that had taken place. And his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all of your debt because you pleaded with me. And you now should not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So all my earthly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now and we thank you for your forgiveness, for your love, for your grace, for your goodness in our lives. You've changed us. You've resurrected us. We thank you for the message of the gospel, and we pray that we'd be able to apply it to our lives now, your forgiveness, your grace, your love. Bless us as we study your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'll retell the story for you real quick. A guy comes to the king whom he owes millions of dollars, and he starts begging the king to forgive him of his million bucks. And the king says, No, I'm sorry, you gotta go to jail to pay for this. He's like, Please, please don't send me to jail. Please, I know you're merciful, I know you're gracious, please. He says, Okay, because I am merciful, because I am gracious, I will let you go. And he forgives him of the millions of dollars of debt. Well, a couple of days later, he's walking down the street and you see a dude who owns him a hundred bucks. He owes him a hundred bucks. He walks up to the guy and says, Hey, you owe me some money. He's I love this. Jesus says he starts choking him out. Now, think about the visual. The guy walks up on the street starts choking him out for $100. He says, you got to go to jail because you can't pay me. And he throws the guy in jail for the money. Well, the king hears about this. and He says, bring the servant in here. He says, how can you do this? I have forgiven you of everything. And you're choking this guy out for $100. The picture is clear in our lives. How many times should I forgive my brother, forgive my sister, forgive my spouse? Seven times, Lord? You say, Peter, that's a cute number. Very cute, very cute. Try 70 times seven. Harvest, how can we receive the forgiveness of God so freely, but not give it to our spouse freely? In marriage, the same thing happens over and over again. We sin against each other because we're sinners. All marriages do this. Then we choose to punish or forgive each other. We punish each other with things like, you know, silent treatment, personal attacks, put-downs, rude remarks, slamming doors, yelling, because we're hurt. But how can we punish our spouse for their sins when God has not punished us for our sins? Instead of punishing, we should choose to do what God has done for us, and that is forgive. Those marriages that have been married, been together for 30, 40, 50 years, who are walking in the park, still holding hands, it's not because everything has been perfect. It is because they've forgiven each other thousands of times. They have shown the love of God to each other thousands of times. They've exercised that. And that is deep in their love and commitment toward one another and their commitment and love toward the Lord. This is the gospel in your marriage. Next time you get into an argument and do a fight, I dare you to look to the Lord. Go to him in prayer. I dare you. I triple dog dare you to go to him in prayer. You know what he's going to say to you? Haven't I loved you? Haven't I forgiven you and served you and blessed you? Yes, Lord, you have then go home and love your wife. Go home and love your husband. Reconcile. Go home and say, I'm sorry. Go and ask him, say, will you forgive me? Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't on our best day that Christ died for us. It was on our worst day that he was dying for us. He chose to sacrifice and lay it down on our worst day there are two steps here that i would love for you to apply the first is forgiveness forgiving as we have been forgiven aren't you glad that god doesn't hold our past sins over our head in our relationship how then can we do this to one another that unforgiveness family listen that bitterness can be like cancer within us it grows and it can take over our hearts we have to go to the lord in prayer and ask him to help us forgive in a way that we have been forgiven. Then we do not only not punish we choose to forgive but we take it one step further. Are you ready? Strap on your seatbelts. This is a big one. I want you to show grace to them. You know what grace is? Undeserved favor. Undeserved blessings. If you want to not only keep marriage alive, but thriving, joyful, warm, and peaceful, you have to show grace like God shows grace to us. Give them what they don't deserve. It's when you get into a fight, you both are upset at each other. You not only choose to forgive them, but you stop by their favorite coffee shop and you pick them up a favorite drink. You go and get their car wash for them. You go get them their favorite lunch or little gift. Maybe they love notes. You write them a little note. You bless them when they don't deserve it. This is what God has done for us. This is the love of God. Not only have we received his forgiveness. We are not going to hell when we die, praise God. But we have received his grace, the gift of heaven, his blessings and promises, a relationship with him forevermore. We're blessed. We're blessed people. God has been so good to us. It's not enough just to forgive. We should take it one step further. Why forgive you? But then for some reason we're still cold or that bitterness continues to stay there. I think that the grace actually starts to pull up those roots of bitterness. As you pour blessings on one another... And it's a joy when you do that. You know, you bring the peace offering. You got their favorite Starbucks. You know, you're walking in. What did you do? I love you, babe. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, Please, love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. By this all people will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Marriage is a friendship. That's it. It's just a friendship. It's the deepest friendship in life and a picture of God's love for us. We should use it as a platform to show the world the love of God. Marriage is to to be a display, a billboard, a marketing ad, a Yelp page, a commercial for the gospel. As you love and serve each other, through all the sins you've committed against each other, you actually tell of Christ's love. Your friends and family, your co-workers, the people around you are watching. When they see that joy and that peace continue to permeate from your life, it's telling of something. It's telling of Christ's love in your marriage. True love is nonstop forgiveness. It's the love that God shows The reason people get divorced is because they just can't forgive each other. It's that simple. But not you guys. Not us. Because we, you, have tasted of the forgiveness and grace of our great God. And we get to bless one another all the days of our lives. It's the key. It's the secret. If you don't get this one right, this first bag of gold... If you don't get this one right, all the other principles that we want to apply, they fall away. We try to do these exterior things and they don't seem to work because we're not getting down to the foundation. I like to call marriage the holy headlock. (laughs) The holy what? The holy headlock. Why? It's designed to make you love like God loves. It's designed to make you holy. You're actually placed into this relationship in which you are forced in many ways, to actually love the way God loves, or it just doesn't work. you got to keep forgiving. you got to keep showing grace. You're like, this is hard. Imagine what the Lord has to do. Think about how many times he forgives, and he shows grace. And what happens when the person he shows it to doesn't reciprocate? How many times has he shown us grace, and you're like, ah, Lord, I still kind of don't want to walk with you. But I forgave you of everything, and I've been pouring grace and blessings upon you. I've kept my promises to you. Yeah, I know, but I-, I got other stuff to do. Wow. God's love continues to go after us, and we get to do that for one another in our marriage. Amen? Hebrews thirteen five. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a beautiful promise from the Lord. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Bring the gospel in your marriage every day. Bag of gold number two, are you ready? Love and respect in your marriage. You want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Second bag of gold, again, love and respect in your marriage. Ephesians chapter 5, I like to start in verse 21. It's kind of a verse that we miss a lot of times. We quote the other two very often, but this one we don't quote very often. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Who? Husband and wife. Submit to one another out of reverence for the Lord Jesus. The key, submitting to one another. Brothers, loving your wife. Ladies, respecting your husband. How do we know? We've got to look at the language that Paul uses here. Look at verse 22 now. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submit to your own husbands, key, as you do to the Lord. Ladies, that doesn't say to submit to men. Don't do that. Men are idiots, okay? (laughs) Sometimes. Submit to your own husbands is unto the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, what does it say? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a profound mystery, verse 32. I'm talking about Christ and the church. Notice it doesn't say respect, honor, and submit, though all of that is implied with the men. It says that they are to love their wife. And notice the opposite, ladies, that it doesn't say, women, love your husband. Paul uses specific language. He actually says uh, to submit as unto the Lord. Love and respect. We need different types of love in our relationship, and Paul points that out. Brothers, your wife needs her cup of love to be filled up every day. See that little coffee mug she's got with the word love on it? She wants every single day filled up. What? But I filled it up yesterday. I know she wants a refill today. Yes. She needs a refill every day. We're going to talk about that a bit more in just a second, about what it looks like to fill up her cup in the way that she desires to be loved. But ladies, your guy just wants your respect, honor, and support. Notice what happens when one guy disrespects another guy. I mean, they're about to get into a fist fight over disrespecting each other. It's hilarious. You know, you're walking with your man down the street. That guy just looked at me. What? He just looked at me wrong. Are you sure? I didn't see anything. He was just just looking over this. No, he was disrespecting me. It's so funny how guys do this. But it's a big deal for some reason for a man to to feel disrespected. It's like one of the highest offenses in his life. He has a hard time with it. Ladies, if you're on your guy's team supporting, cheering him on, and the whole world is against him, guess what? He still feels like Superman because his wife is on his team. But if you are against him and disrespect him, even if the whole world is for him, he feels crushed inside. This is his love language. This is what he needs. He just wants you respect. He just wants you to be on his team. He wants a cheerleader from the back end saying, you can do it, and he will thrive. Brothers, your wife needs endless love. Like the Lord Jesus gives to his church, endless love. Ladies, your husband desires that you would just be fully on his team. Now, it's important we love and serve each other in ways our spouse needs. I can't tell you how many times I've seen men showing love to their wives in the way they want to be loved. And the wife says, I don't feel loved. You're like, what? It's because the man is giving love in the way that he desires it. Many of you have heard of the books of five lo- lo- love languages, but they also have one I want to encourage you in they have one specifically for men and specifically for women, kind of like what we were shown last night on the screen. These are for the the five love languages and so, I'm kind of a blockhead. I kind of need things broken down very, very simply. And so these books actually do it. I read the the men's book, and it tells me exactly the five love languages on how I would actually present those things to my wife. It's been very helpful for me. The five love languages, if you don't know them, if this is the first time we're hearing about them, can I share them with you? You can write them down, okay? And then what I want to ask you to do after uh, we write them down is later today you can ask your spouse what their love languages are you probably have one or two or three that you major in but it would be good to highlight those things so that you don't get frustrated you're like I love you every day don't you see what I do for you and it's like I don't actually want you to do anything for me I just want you to tell me that you love me really but I do all this stuff no I don't want you to do it I just want you to tell me listen to the love languages number one words of affirmation words of affirmation Number two, acts of service. You can write that down. Acts of service. I feel like I'm doing bingo. B-4. (laughs) B-4. Receiving gifts. Number three. Receiving gifts. Quality time. And physical touch. These are the five love languages we won't spend much more time on there, but it's just very important that you both discover, brothers, your wife doesn't want the respect you give the bros, okay? She wants her cup to be filled up with love to the brim over and over and over again. But it's a thousand times I know she wants another refill. And ladies, I know you, you know you think your man wants to hear, I love you, I love you, I love you. He appreciates that, no joke, but he just wants your respect. That's all he wants. He wants you to be on his team. Bag number three of gold. Are you ready? I want to give you another bag of gold. Number three is godly communication. Godly communication. Would you turn to 1 Corinthians 13 in your Bibles? 1 Corinthians 13. You can write it down. I'll read it to you. Godly communication. You see... Silence in your home is one of the scariest things that can happen for long periods of time. No communication, when we cut that thing off, like I'm just not going to talk to you anymore, we just cut that off, this is really death to the friendship. That's really what ends up happening. Look, I understand, sometimes we need, we need to get away for an hour, sometimes we need, need to get away for for a day just to like cool down and just collect our thoughts and come back and start talking again but we have to initiate in conversation and we have to figure out how to keep this friendship alive. Very important. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, the Apostle Paul writes, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Wow, we can just process our communication through this grid. <laughs> wow. Love is patient and kind, it's not rude, not arrogant. I don't know if you've discovered this yet, but men speak one language and women speak another language. Might as well be Russian and Chinese, no joke. This is one of the reasons we talk past each other and misunderstand each other. Maybe you heard of the book "Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus." You remember this? This was popular. I, I don't remember. Uh, I just remember hearing about it a lot. The book talked about each sex being from its own planet, society, and customs, but not of of the other. And one example is men's complaint would complain that if they're they offer solutions to problem that, problems that women bring up in conversation. The women are not necessarily interested in solving those problems, but mainly just want to talk about them. Think about this dilemma. Guys get together, they start talking. All they want to do is solve. Oh, look, we could do this, maybe we can do that, maybe we can do this, maybe we can do that. Ladies, on the other hand, in, in, again, generally, I should say, like to get together and just want to talk about them, but maybe not find a solution right now. Of course, a solution later, but maybe not right now. One of the best pieces of gold I ever received was from one of my mentors, Mr. J. Mr. J is my 10th grade geometry teacher. And uh, he used to ride his bike to school. He, 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 was, uh, he was Mr. Rogers, no joke. He still writes me letters every single month. I'm not joking. He's a fantastic guy. And Mr. J, I was driving with him one day. I said, Mr. J, give me your best piece of gold for a marriage. Please, give me the best thing you got. And he said this. He said, when my wife is upset, or we have a problem, I look at her and I just say this, I ask this simple thing, do you want an answer or a hug? Again, on the surface, I was like, okay, Mr. J, that's, what, what is this, you know? But as I thought about it longer, I'm thinking like, you genius, you genius, why didn't I have this long ago? Do you want an answer, or do you want a hug? It just shows shows how different we are. We speak two different language, man language and woman language. You ever see guys talk? Hey, bro, how's it going? Good. How you doing? Good. See ya. <laughs> you see you see women talk at a table. They got like ten conversations going on at one time. They they have four ears. They can like. Guys like to talk shoulder to shoulder. You don't ever see guys gazing into each other's eyes. Tell me. (laughs) Women like to talk face to face. Eye contact. Brothers like to talk shoulder to shoulder. Ladies, you want to get your guy talking like a girl? Do something shoulder to shoulder with him that he likes. Go shoulder to shoulder with him. Go do something with him. And you'll hear him talking away. Brothers, you want to discover the depths of your wife and get Her to really like you as a friend, talk to her face-to-face. Eye contact, listen for long periods of time. Talk to her like you're her best girlfriend. He did what? No, are you serious? (laughs) You see... Conflict comes through misunderstanding and miscommunication. I don't believe that, especially you, people of God, I don't believe that you are that angry at each other, that you really don't care about each other that much. You're just talking past each other, you're listening past each other. And this happens day and night. We get upset. When we get upset, then we start miscommunicating and misunderstanding each other. We miscommunicate, you know, with like little digs and pokes and But we know aren't helpful to resolving the argument. We love to misunderstand and not listen to what the other person is saying. Instead, we're preparing a response in our minds instead of trying to truly understand why our spouse is offended or hurt. It's important that we listen between the lines to understand what our mate is meaning. Well, you said, I know, but you said, I know I said that, but this is what I mean. We say this so much. No, no, I meant this. I meant this. I meant this. And whatever it is within us, we almost don't want to give them that. You didn't mean that. when It really could be that that's exactly what they were trying to say, but the words didn't come out correctly. Again, man and woman language, we're talking past each other. Brothers, a scripture for us, 1 Peter 3, 7. You don't find very many places in scripture where it actually tells the um the wife to listen uh, to what the husband in, is saying and try to understand him. You actually see the opposite. You see the scriptures telling men to listen deeply, not to be harsh. We'll see this here, 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. What? so that your prayers may not be hindered, it says. Dwell with your wives, brothers, in an answering, solving problems kind of way. No. Dwell with your wives in an REI tent in the snow. Nope. Dwell with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman, since they are heirs with you in the grace of life. They are co-equals. They own half the company. You need their input. You need each other's input and feedback. Learn to listen for long periods of time. James would tell us, let's be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Notice interesting word in the text. It says your wife is the weaker vessel, not lesser. Weaker. What is a vessel, Bible students? The vessel was a jar. It holds the same amount of water. Just one is more delicate than the other. Men in general are like coffee thermoses, you know? You can bang them around a little, no harm. Women are like crystal glass. You must be delicate and not harsh, lest you crack and break them. Colossians 3.19, the apostle Paul takes it a step further, saying, Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. You don't see this anywhere in Scripture for the wife, only with the man. Why does Paul have to say this to the men? Because we are harsh sometimes. You can't treat your wife like the bros. Dwell with her in an understanding manner, lest your prayers be hindered. God is saying, if you don't listen to your wife, I'm not going to listen to you. Brothers, our wife is a deep well of understanding. It takes time to understand her, not just hearing her. I heard you. I heard you. I could repeat back the words to you right now, we say. Are you listening between the lines? What is she trying to tell you? What is her heart saying? What does she mean? I am not good at this. My wife will tell you. This is why I've had to do great study on this to understand. What is she trying to tell you? What does she mean? What does she need? The scripture again, with all of that in mind, can I read it to you again? 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envy or boastful. It's not arrogant or rude. It's not in, it doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Fourth bag of gold. Are you ready? Our final bag. Godly expectations. If you're turning into Bibles, you can do so to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Or you can uh, just write it down and I'll read it to you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 to 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Don't look only to your own interests. Did you hear that? I sure like my interests. I love my interests, actually. My interests are the best in this relationship. We should do all the things that I want to do. My interests are the most important. Hmm. Let us not look only to our own interests, but also to the interest of others. Have this mindset, which was in the Lord Jesus. He didn't think about himself. He laid down his life for his people that they might have life. Everyone does this. We have hidden expectations upon each other, and when they're broken, it lowers the joy in our relationship. We all have preferences, but we need to recognize people breaking our preferences or expectations is not necessarily sinful. No, it's not sinful. It's just a pet peeve. What are your expectations for your spouse? I'll share a couple of mine and Katie's. For Katie, everything has a spot in the whole house. She's the most organized person that I know as well. As the speaker was saying last night, she is seriously organized. Everything has a place in the whole house. Very organized. I personally like to clean up right after my meal, like we make a meal. And I like to clean it up now and then eat so I don't have to clean up later. But my wife, somehow, she cannot bring herself to clean out the espresso machine after she has used it, so I have to clean it every single time. But I'm not bitter, no. (laughs) But she also is the absolute cleanest person I know. Interesting. Katie is perfectly on time. I'm always pushing the limit. I'm very tight with money and savings. Katie would rather spend and enjoy. Are these things sinful? No, they're not sinful at all. They're just preferences we have expectations we desire and these little hidden expectations can cause and create arguments and you have to decide early on am I going to fight about this or am I going to let it go am I going to clean up the espresso machine or am I going to fight about it again she does so many things for me and the kids it's no big deal just clean up the espresso machine who cares she wants to do it every single time and leave it that way it's no big deal I like to categorize our hidden expectations and preferences this way. God's kingdom and my kingdom. God's kingdom and my kingdom. We should have godly expectations. Yeah. To stay married, to stay faithful, to live godly lives. And if we start to live in sin, this should cause a fight. Yeah. If sin, great sin shows up or a sinful lifestyle shows up in the marriage, this should cause a fight. We should fight about this. We're breaking God's k- kingdom commands. But my kingdom commands. Why is my kingdom so big in this marriage? It's not necessary. When you sin against my kingdom things, we shouldn't be fighting about these little preferences or hidden expectations. And so what do we do? Look, it's okay for you to have your five Pet peeves or expectations or maybe you stretch it to 10. You guys come to an agreement on that. But you got to make those things clear in the home. you got to make those things clear in the marriage. I would really like us to do this, this, this. And we should set those things in order and then watch this. We should come to an agreement on those things. And when we agree, then we have something to talk about if it's consistently broken. But I'm telling you, the higher the expectations, the lower the joy. Higher the expectations. You're both walking around on eggshells in your house, trying not to break each other's rules. Lower the joy. So, lower your kingdom expectations and get that joy way up. Jesus said, If you love me, you'll obey my commands. And because I love my wife, I love to obey her commands. Why not? I love her and I want to obey her commands. I want to obey what she wants. I want to make her happy. I want to bless her. And in doing so, she wants to do the same for me. The more expectations you place on each other, I'm telling you, the more burden on your marriage. The more expectations you place on each other, the more opportunity there is to break those expectations, and we see fights. I'll tell you a story, and we'll close on. It's of the greasy mechanic And the mom at home with the four kids, snotty-nosed brats running around. Well, greasy mechanic comes home from a long day at work. He's worked a 12-hour day. He's tired. All he wants is a hot meal and a hot shower. So he walks in the door. But lo and behold, he didn't know his wife's been with the kids all day, hasn't had an adult conversation all day long. Snotty-nosed running around. She just wants to sit down with her husband on the couch and have a talk just for a little bit. Watch what happens. He walks in the door. The kids run up. The wife runs up. Hey, how are you? Here, come over. Sit on the couch. I want to talk to you. i got so much to talk. All this has gone on. And Joey did this. And this happened. And this was going on. Honey, honey, please, please, please. Please, I just need a hot shower and a hot meal. That would be fantastic. Can I just, you know? What? I've been waiting for you all day. I've been wanting to talk to you all day. You've been out doing your thing with the job. I've been here with the kids. How would you not want to sit down... Please, I just need a hot shower and a hot meal. And he goes and takes his hot shower and a hot meal, a hot shower, and he gets out, and he's looking for his hot meal. Comes out. Oh, so where's that hot meal? I'm not making you a hot meal. You were rude to me when it came in the door. You didn't have any time for me. And what happens? The night starts going south. But let's flip that. And let's watch what would happen if both put their interests low and the others high. Mechanic comes in the door long day. Man, I just want a hot shower and a hot meal. How I've been wanting to talk to you all day? You know, the kids this. Uh, uh, you know, okay, come on, let's go sit down. Let's go talk. What's been going on? He takes 20 minutes and she starts looking at him. Gosh, you're, you're worn out, huh? You're really tired. You know, why don't you go take a shower and get all cleaned up and, and I'll, I'll make a hot meal for you. I'll get everything ready. And the night is completely turned around because both chose to show a simple moment of grace. They laid it down. They worship God in the small things. And I'm telling you, family, this is the key to marriage. It is back to the beginning, the gospel in marriage. Marriage is like a garden. You got to keep pulling out the weeds. You got to keep watering it. You got to let the sun shine on it. And I'm telling you, The flowers will start to bloom. I believe marriage is the highest place of blessing, pleasure, and joy, and happiness in a relationship with Jesus on the planet. It is the highest mountain and greatest gift God has given to man next to the relationship with him. Because it is a picture and real life situation demonstration of the relationship we have with him. We experience God's commitment, sacrifice, and unconditional love in marriage, and we learn the depths of God's faithfulness, steadfast love in marriage. Marriage is a gift from God. Let's treat it as such. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we worship you this morning, and we give you our hearts, we give you our minds, we give you our marriages now. And, Lord, we need resurrection life right now. We need the gospel in our marriage. We know that we've sinned against you. We know we've broken our relationship with you. But you, Jesus, and your love has come down to the earth and died for our sins and forgiven us. And you've gone so far to show us grace, to forgive us and wipe all of our sins away and give us the gift of heaven, a relationship with you. So we've turned to you with all of our hearts. We turn to you again now. And we ask, Lord, that you would help us to walk in this newness of life that you have given us. Bless our marriages. We worship you in our marriages. We give you our lives. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks so much.